apologies for my um, uninspired title. It was <laughs> uh, hence the exclamation mark. Um, and also apologies that I've, I animate all my slides, so without a pointer it's going to be quite interesting. Um, so luckily Sharia's done a bit of um, the overview that I was going to do in this anyway. Um, so we're very much a mixed methods project. Um, I come from a quants background and was very much, you know, never really saw the value of the quals stuff, but Val has been my quals mentor and I think what this project's really taught me is how well um, things like this work when you use both together because a lot of the insight that's come out of the qualitative has guided our quantitative work and actually what I'll hope to show you today and you'll learn later on through the day is a lot of what's come out in our quants data is, is explained a lot more by our qualitative data. Um, so as Sharia said, sort of the overall strand of the quant side was to develop psychometric tests to sort of explore the development of undergraduates learning gain in the sense that we define a sort of the non-cognitive non skills. Um, so what we plan to do is to explore the development of the factors um, that we've created measures for and look at the relationships between those as students go through university um, and also, which I'll focus on today, exploring the development of these factors in, in relation to different demographic factors um, and the differences that, of different types of students that we get coming in to higher education. And then obviously the overall, or sort of the hope would be to look to see if anything that we've measured actually does predict or have any influence on outcomes. Um, so as Sharia said, we've got um, a cross-sectional data set that we created. We um, collected right at the very start and actually we used that to help refine the tools and items for when we were then ready to launch um, the survey across all of the institutions and then we followed that cross-sectional cohort up longitudinally at Portsmouth as well. But today I'll be focusing on the longitudinal data that comes from all of four institutions. Um, so this is sort of our timeline. So everything is, I think, for all the learning gain projects, got pushed back a bit. So from our original project proposal, things had to change quite rapidly. Um, so we collected our 10.1 data um, in October um, 2016, and we managed to get responses from 1,114, which we were really pleased with. So those are the numbers across the different institutions. So UAL won the first prize. I did not get at all competitive, I definitely did. Um, <laughs> University of Portsmouth, we got 340, um, 306 at Southampton and 96 at Royal Holloway as well. Um, by size of university. Yeah, so actually yeah, if you look proportionally in terms of students, it, we all did a very good job. <laughs> so then we, we followed them students up a year later, um, so we got 589 completions. This is all complete responses as well. Um, and then for time point three, we um, got 463 responses to that. We just closed um, literally just before Christmas, hence why I've had a very stressful um, and busy few weeks to get all our data together. Um, but we wanted to keep that timeline so that we had pure data from each year that the students were there. Um, so what we're going to do post-funding um, is to obviously collect, that colour's not come out very well, um, but we'll collect final degree and transcript data from that cohort. And then originally we were planning on getting the Delhi data six months after graduation, but that's all changed and um, the graduate outcome, we've been told by our institution, 
one, it'll take years to get it, and two, we might not be allowed to have it. So we then decided what we'll do in our final time point three is to ask students if they'd be willing for us to contact them ourselves six months after graduation. And then we can actually ask our own questions, because I think especially around the, what Hike has been saying about employability, my question when looking at employability has always been, surely what matters is whether students have got where they want to get. So you might rate a job um, as not a good an outcome for a student, but actually if you've gone to university to do nursing and that's what you've ended up doing, that's 100% success in my view. So I think we'll be able to ask questions like that in that follow-up. And we got permission from 377 of our cohort um, to, to contact them with that. So complete responses at all three time points, we've got 385, which is we're quite happy with, and I think it enables us to still ask a lot of the questions of our data. So obviously not as, we would have loved to keep all 1,114, but sadly, despite nagging, they didn't want to. <laughs> so luckily Sharia's already sort of given you the overview of um, the information that we've collected from students in our survey. So we've used some pre-existing measures that um, sort of a some are from mine and Sharia's sort of hobby horses. Um, uh, obviously, these are the new measures. I'll talk about the ones I'm going to talk about today. Um, and also, we've obviously been able to collect lots of existing data and match up with data in registry um, for our students. So I won't talk about these for now. So just before I talk about the data, this is the sort of how the sample we've got looks. So I had a brief look last night, actually, at what the overall sort of data looks like across universities in the country. And we're pretty much in line, apart from obviously we've got a much more female-dominated sample, so 67.5% female. Um, surprisingly, we've actually got a higher proportion of BME than there seems to be naturally across all universities in the country. Um, and what I'm going to be focusing on today is looking at two of the measures um, for first-generation students versus continuing-generation students. So about 45% of our sample of first-generation students um, us at Portsmouth, we, we do get a lot of first-generation students there. I'm a first-generation student and so are the rest of the Portsmouth research team, so it's a, an issue that's really sort of at, personal to us and I think really fascinating as well. And something I remember when I went to university, it, it didn't occur to me that I, that I didn't understand about university and I look back now and I think, you know, I, I, when I was an undergraduate, I didn't, I've never even heard of a PhD. There was so much that I didn't know because I didn't have anyone in my life to sort of give me that information. So that's what we'll be looking at today. And I'm going to focus on <coughs> two of the new tools that we've developed measures for. So the graduate capital, this is sort of Michael's baby. <laughs> um, and what Sharia talked about earlier, um, of false uniqueness. So... I tried to, I, I was talking to my colleague in the office through the other day and did a very poor job of explaining what I meant by false uniqueness. So luckily Sharia's explained a bit and I'll try and explain what I mean by it. Um, so essentially the items that we've developed for this measure are uh, designed to explore how students feel they compare to sort of what they see as the typical student. And there's, you know, lots of literature out there to suggest that some students do just feel that they're, they're very different and they don't belong. So in a sense, it's a sort of sense of belonging. You know, how like everyone else are you? Um, so we got students to 
<coughs> respond. These are some example items. Uh, they respond on a six-point Likert scale from strongly disagree to agree, so therefore higher scores mean more of a sense of sort of a false uniqueness in terms of they feel they are different, but actually, in, you know, in our sample, we're almost 50-50 first versus continuing. Um, so it's, yeah, things like that. So people like me don't normally go to university. I fit in perfectly at university. That would obviously be reverse scored when it's included. <laughs> okay. Um, graduate capital. So I hate, I'm very tentative to use the term employability now, but essentially we've, we're working on actually refining this to look at sort of what we've conceived, conceptualised as different types of capital. Um, so I've made myself some little notes here. So it's very much what we see as capital as a sort of resources and skills that benefit students in terms of entering the labour market. And so things like social capital um, is, and you know, so it's things like um, developing graduate sort of level knowledge, awareness of, um, of, of you know, the labour market, how they actually feel in terms of resilience of sort of the psychological side of that. Um, so, but for now today, what I'm going to be presenting is we sort of, we have devised a huge tool that, as I say, we're working on refining into those sort of separate measures. But I'll just be presenting data based on an aggregate measure um, of graduate capital, and actually the the reliability analysis for that is is really strong. Um, so again, students respond on a six-point Likert scale, strongly disagree to strongly agree. So higher scores mean more of a sense that they've got good graduate capital. So example items would include things like I have a good knowledge about potential job opportunities and opening. Um, I have strong contacts with people in the job market, gained relevant experience. And then the sort of social and cultural sides of it, we've asked questions about sort of how they feel socially. So I have social advantages compared to other graduates. And I'll talk a bit more about that type of item. So this is just some group comparisons at time point one. So what you see here is that the first generation students have significantly higher sense of false uniqueness than our continuing graduation students, continuing generation students. And that's sort of what we would expect, really. What's also interesting, I had a look at some of the other measures we've taken, like self-esteem, um, self-efficacy, and sort of what we've defined as learner resilience. And they're also significantly sort of poorer in terms of those. So they have lower self-esteem, self-efficacy and resilience towards sort of uh, difficulties or challenges in learning. Um, graduate capital, again, sort of what you might expect. Um, first generation students at time point one score significantly lower than our continuing generation students. Um, and that's despite the fact that in our sample, the first generation students on average have significantly higher UCAS points than our continuing graduate. Uh, continuing generation students. So even though they're actually coming in from a better perspective, those differences are still there, which is quite surprising. So what about change over time? So quite dishearteningly, um, that sort of sense of false uniqueness for the first generation students increases. Um, and I did a bit of, um, I did some simple main effects analysis on that. Um, and although it looks like the continuing generation improve, um, goes up a little bit as well, that's not significant. 
but that increase for the first generation students is is a significant change over time as well so they actually get less of a sense of belonging the longer that they're at university which is quite worrying on all the other measures that sort of I'd looked at that were differences in terms of self-esteem and self-efficacy they're actually scoring in line then with the continuing generations so it's not so much to me that sort of questions is that some there's something special about university and that feeling of belonging there that's different from the sense of self-esteem and self-efficacy um, that's really important and interesting um, graduate capital is a bit more positive um, so although they're significantly different at the start this difference although there still is a difference is no longer a significant difference so that suggests that the first generation sense of graduate capital has has improved um, and again from time one to two to three that's a significant change for the first generation students the change for the continuing generation students isn't significant um, and what's really interesting is in our cross-sectional sample we saw a lot of that pattern so they dip in year two and then they go back up either in line or beyond time one and we've had a lot of sort of thoughts about why that might be and I think one of the important things to remember is this is these are self-perception measures and I think what happens by year two is they've got a lot more information and experience in order to actually assess those feelings and beliefs and values and then you see the improvement and I think time three is therefore a bit of a more accurate view of that. Um, was I going to say anything else about that? I don't think so. Okay so we're also um, just before we launched time three I came across a paper <laughs> um, which was very useful um, where they'd used a really nice short measure of what they conceptualised um, as self-perceived employability. So we included those items in our final survey because I thought that would be a great way of looking at you know, how our graduate capital tool um, relates to those sorts of scores. Um, so what you find also, which again goes in line with what we've seen with the graduate capital results, is there's no difference between the first generation and continuing generation students' sense of self employability at time point three so that's really positive in terms of the change for those um, first generation students um, and there's a really strong correlation between our measure of graduate capital and that measure of self-perceived employability which is great for us in terms of tool development and validation but obviously the real test um, will be how actual outcomes compare between those groups um, and we'll be really interested to look at how our measures predict those real outcomes as well when we can follow those students up. So obviously there's a few limitations that I've sort of already alluded to. Um, these are self-perception measures, um, but I think that's sort of as good as you can really get and, and also just as important as to how students perceive um, their own sense of self. Um, as I've said, sort of, we also know that there are factors that influence those assessments that are sort of natural progressions throughout a degree. So we've obviously measured, um, oh yeah, I, I should have put that, that point earlier. So obviously the, our time point three, the students are actually only at the start of their final year and it would have been wonderful if we had six months longer on our project to, to assess them right at the end of their um, final year. Um, obviously our final tools are yet, yet to be validated 
and any statisticians in the room, because I know I would have picked this up. Um, the differences, although significant, are small. Um, but what I think you'll see throughout the qualitative data presentations this afternoon is that does not mean they're not meaningful. And actually those differences that we've shown of the false uniqueness and the capital very much comes out in, the, in the, what the students have said during the focus groups. So yes, they, from a statistical point of view, the effect sizes might be small, but I think why I always like to talk in terms of real effect sizes and what actually matters in the real world, they're meaningful. Um, on a positive note, again, everyone's sort of, although there are differences, they're still in the sort of good zones of those scores, if that makes sense. So there's no, there's nothing awful going on, but there's room for improvement and things that need to be addressed. What's disappointing for us is obviously there's all sorts of things I'd have loved to have been able to look at. So differences, um, you know, sort of at a more granular level. So differences, you know, how do placement students compare to students who have just done their typical three year. Um, but there's just not enough numbers in our sample that we're not going to be able to look at that. So I think I had a brief look at the data. I think we've got about 40, about 40 or 50 of our students on a placement year at time at the current time three. Um, so sadly, we won't have enough to sort of see how much of a difference that makes. But again, that's something where I now see the qualitative data fills a hole because the students talk a lot about the value of their placement years. So future plans, obviously a lot more analysis. I've only given you a brief overview of sort of two of the bits of data that we've collected. Our spreadsheet is enormous. Um, a few avenues that from the quant quantitative data will be covered today by Arno and Richard. Um, and we have got papers in progress. Um, obviously, we'll be collecting the final degree outcome later this year, the follow-up questionnaire in six months, and then looking at how our measures predict actual outcomes. Um, so to summarise, um, despite having higher UCAS points on average, the first-generation students in our sample start university with a higher sense of false uniqueness and therefore a lower sense of, sort of belonging or fitting in, lower self-esteem and self-efficacy, lower graduate capital. But then by year three, um, the first generation students are no longer significantly different from the continuing in terms of self-esteem, self-efficacy, graduate capital and self-perceived employability. However, differences do remain still for the false uniqueness. Um, and actually exploring individual differences, I should have talked about that with the graduate capital, I had a look at actually individual items. So although there's no significant difference overall for the graduate capital, you do get still significant differences on some of the individual items, and those are very much to do with the social or sort of cultural capital type questions. So it's things like, um, my parents, you know, can offer advice, or a lot about building networks. So that's, I think, uh, really interesting to think about that for those students. So my implications, I th or sort of what I feel we can get from this, is that first-generation students may need more support to feel that they belong at university. Um, they may need more support and guidance, and I think perhaps confidence to build useful networks with employers. Um, and perhaps they need greater support to overcome some of the social barriers that they face. And I think even if those only exist in their own sense of self and don't exist in the real world, I still think that's something that we could do something to help. Um, and that's me done. Thank <laughs> you.